You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And not joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank is in transit. He is on the road on his way back to Austin, Texas. A good trip for Frank. Obviously, uh, we had the live podcast. I know he was able to get to the game, the Pelicans game beforehand. I don't know if he's able to get to... I guess that would have been the only game I think he's able to get to. But either way, Frank was able to get to a game. That's a good thing. And now he's back on the road with his family. So that is a good thing. Uh, safe travels to Frank. I am here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I am in the middle of chomping on some Christmas cookies, which I'm very happy to have received now that Christmas is finally was here and I didn't get to experience it but then I got to come home with the family and have some Christmas cookies so just let me finish this up real quick but I'm back in Milwaukee got to hang out with my family hopefully all of you guys got some good time with your family as well sorry about the schedule this week uh you know Christmas being on a Tuesday is kind of weird and then travel day and I'm just trying to figure all of that out, so sorry for missing a few days, but hopefully uh, you're able to hold yourself over with the first podcast about the Bucks beating the Knicks, because now there's a second one about the Bucks beating the Knicks, as the Bucks win 112-96 over the New York Knicks on Thursday night in Pfizer form, so they're able to pick up a win there, and you know, not as probably not as nervy as the as the first go around, but still after getting outscored twenty eight to twenty four in the first quarter, the Bucks turned it around with a twenty nine to twenty second quarter to take a five point lead at halftime, added another five to that to take a ten point lead into the fourth quarter, and then obviously added another six to that to have a 16 point win in the end and you know i'll obviously credit the knicks uh they just managed to stay in those games and uh it was funny before the game uh, against the knicks in new york i had asked if as you know not many teams have stayed with the bucks you managed to beat them once you were right in that game the the other time and you know before i could even finish the, the question he cut me off and said i don't know i don't know how we did it i don't know how we're doing it I don't, I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know. Uh, you know, we just go out there and try to play hard and, you know, we've had some, some good games against them and whatever reason it is, uh, you know, there's, there's always an outlier shooting night. It feels like when, when the Knicks get involved and, uh, tonight it was Luke Cornett, uh, a new starter for the Knicks for the night, uh, seven of 11 from the three point line. 23 points he also had five assists three rebounds just a great night for Luke Cornett and his performance and you know some shots from a few others kind of kept the Knicks in this game even though you know the Bucks were in control throughout the second half but it just never felt like 
they could kind of put this one away. And in the end, you, you had Giannis play 35 minutes. You had Chris play 33. Both of them needed all those. Bledsoe and Brogdon, 31 apiece. And uh, it was kind of a situation where you didn't think the the Bucks were going to need to play those guys all that much. But in the end, they kind of needed all those minutes to salt this one away. And, um, you know, I think this game was another example of the Bucks just kind of finding a way and, you know, winning and, uh, you know, it kind of just being a normal thing where they just go out and win. Um, but we'll talk about all that in a little bit. But I think first the the biggest story, quote unquote, of the night was the incident between Ennis Kantner and Yastetokounmpo. You know, it's it's kind of a I don't even know. It, I think from the Bucks perspective, in many ways, it's almost a a non-story. Uh, but from the Knicks perspective and Ennis Kantner's perspective, because he is kind of wired the way that he is, uh, it was a little bit different. Uh, he Kantner only plays 14 minutes on the night, eight points, five rebounds, four nine from the field, uh, and you know you have this moment in the fourth quarter where. On one end, he feels he got a an elbow from Thon Maker, which on, on the replay, I think it does look like he did get that. He was upset about not getting that call. And, you know, essentially what he did on the other side was Giannis Eurostepped near him, and he just kind of reached through uh, to try to get the ball in between Giannis's outstretched arms that were over his head as he was holding the ball and just smacked him in the face. And that was it, a little bit of follow-through with the elbow and – Put Giannis on the deck. Uh, no foul called on the play, um, which is which is not ideal. And then the the game got slowed down in transition. Giannis got up, made his way over to Kantner. Uh, I think made it known that he was displeased with the way that that Kantner had gone about that. And you know, in the time between Giannis hit the deck and was kind of you know looking towards the referee, trying to collect himself, doing all those things, Kantner had looked back down. Looked back at him, stared him down a little bit, uh, gave the the crowd a little "give me some more booze" kind of thing, and you know it, it was just a it was a whole lot of theatrics from Ennis Kantner because well that's that's something he's good at, and I had I had mentioned during the game and tweeted out that you know uh, my colleague in New York at the Athletic had already has already written a story about how Giannis or how Kantner wants to become a, a WWE heel uh, once he's done playing basketball and he wants to become a bad guy over in in professional wrestling and you know he played into the crowd and played into all that and uh, then Giannis came got back up and he came through and kind of let like Kantner know like hey that that's not okay uh, did enjoy that and. He did a nice job of kind of going to the side of Kantner, give him a little bump, but then just kind of trying to walk by, and Kantner did his best to square up their foreheads and, you know, instead of talking into each other's ears, which some guys will do sometimes when, when they're trying to get a fight, Kantner squared up and squared up their foreheads and their noses, and uh, Kantner had some blood on him from the elbow that he had taken from Maker, and there's just kind of a weird scene, and you know, out of nowhere comes sprinting Darvin Ham. Uh, he he books it over from the bench uh, as Giannis is kind of crossing shoulders with Kantner and walking away. 
Ham comes running in. He gives uh, Kantner a little redirect away from from Giannis. Uh, I know there was a number of Knicks fans that said he was pushing him and he's way too physical and, and all these things. And, you know, it, to me, it just looked like an assistant coach trying to split up a fight and make sure it, it didn't escalate at all. And uh, he did that. Uh, I think Chris Tapps Porzingis commented on his Instagram that, was messed up what the assistant coach did and again like i said like you know there's no doubt that he that he put his hands on Kantner, but i thought largely it was just to separate the two and you know darvin ham's a big dude uh, and you know maybe they felt like he he got a little bit too much of of Kantner, uh, and uh, i don't really know there but uh kind of gets split up and and then ultimately the officials decide that uh it's a double technical for the two players for kind of going forehead to forehead and face to face and nose to nose and all those things. I think Jim Paschke said on the broadcast. So they did all those things. And then uh, the officials reviewed it and decided that they had ultimately missed a foul uh, on the first part of this, the, the spot that knocked Giannis to the ground and decided that that was a technical on Ennis Kantner as well and threw him out. And, you know, kind of going through it, uh, I was the pool reporter selected for uh, post game to kind of hear out the officials and hear them talk us through kind of what they're thinking. So, you know, I got the the agreed upon questions uh, that, you know, uh, some of the reporters had come up with and asked those of the official and, and got those responses. And, uh, you know, I think he explained it pretty much just how I explained it in that, they looked at it. They saw that initially they had missed a, an unsportsmanlike act from Kantner, which was him hitting Giannis. Uh, so that was a technical foul. Then the two got together, and that was a technical foul. And then, you know, you had two fouls for Kantner, which threw him out of the game, and one for Giannis, and that was pretty much that. But, um, you know, it's just another spot. Uh, Matt Velasquez had kind of opened our post-game session with Giannis by asking, you know, that. That must be enough of the Knicks, right? They, like you guys have seen him enough. He's seen him now three times in December. He's seen him four times in the first thirty-five games. He's seen him in back-to-back games. And Giannis said, "Yes, that's that's enough of them. Uh, that's that's okay. We don't need to see them anymore this year." And you know, I think it is just two teams that I don't even know if they hate each other i don't know if the bucks really think about the knicks in that way uh, i mean uh, obviously the hazonia stuff where uh hazonia had stepped over him and then it was just like well Hazonia's not very good and he had his chance to step up and try to stop a dunk from Giannis in that first or in that that very same game and he turned the other way and decided that it wasn't for him and then didn't score the rest of the game so it felt like all those things had kind of been answered but every time it's just a a Knicks player that you know probably ultimately doesn't deserve to even have their name mentioned with Giannis just because uh, the Knicks don't really have that type of quality player and well it, it just happens over and over again Giannis has to get into the fray with it and w- with one of those players and then it, it kind of just gets cleaned up and I thought much of the same tonight that that was Cantor and in his theatrics and the way that he likes to go about playing basketball and making a scene of things and you know Giannis is is one of the best players in the league and he doesn't need to lower himself down to that level and instead he'll he'll just go out and score 31 
He'll get, grab 14 rebounds. He'll have eight assists. He'll have a steal. He'll have four blocks. So um, the answer, once again, from Giannis came, well, on the court. That's that's kind of how he tends to do it. And, you know, after the game, we, we took him through quite a progression of, of questions as, you know, he – he obviously didn't really want to talk about it, and that was kind of the first thing that I had said that you know I had I had asked a little bit you know what you know how do you you know how do you try to stay cool there like can you walk us through that kind of what happened there so I asked him to walk us through it and he said right now Kander wants me to talk about that I'm not going to talk about that you can go and look at the play the ref I think did a great job going back and looking at the play and trying to protect the players that's it he got ejected that's pretty much it he got ejected that says it all and you know Matt Velasquez followed up by saying well you know how do you try to maintain your composure and Giannis said at the end of the day I have to keep my composure I have to help my team I have to close out the game I think we had eight or nine minutes left I was thinking about closing out the game I just do not like when dirty plays happen that risk my health or my teammates health I don't like that and you know I thought that was interesting to hear about dirty plays because I think the the most infamous incident of Giannis and dirty play is obviously Mike Dunleavy uh having a couple cheap shots early on in the in the Bulls Bucks playoff series and then uh him ultimately smacking uh MCW and Giannis immediately coming down the floor and tackling him into the bench and obviously getting thrown out of the game and um you know I think that's the moment the moment you think of when you hear Giannis say I don't like when when there's dirty plays, I don't like it when my teammates, uh, their health is, is put at risk or anything like that. And, you know, I asked him, you know, a younger Giannis wouldn't have necessarily been able to say the same thing that, you know, a younger Giannis might have reacted. And I didn't, I didn't say anything about the, the tackling of Mike Dunleavy Jr., but, you know, obviously I think we both knew what I was talking about. And ultimately he said, all I think about – Oh, excuse me. And during that question, I also asked, you know, how do you keep your composure when you get hit more than just about anyone else in the league that, you know, every time you go to the basket, you're going to get hit, you're, you're going to get fouled. And, you know, sometimes it gets called, sometimes it won't, but you know, you're going to take a beating every night. Like, how do you, how do you try to get through that? And he said, all I think about is staying in the game, trying to win the game. I know that if I get ejected or I get a silly tech, I'm putting my team in risk with me not being in the game or seeing the bench or getting a silly fall, all that. That's pretty much it. Just be in the game, trying to help my teammates win. I've grown. I've grown as a player, grown as a person. I have patience. I know they're going to pound me pretty much every time I drive the ball. I know they're going to foul me every time I drive the ball. So I just have to keep my composure and stay focused for the game. And, you know, I, I think this is really interesting because we've seen other players handle this differently. We've seen other coaches handle this differently where, uh, They'll go after the officials. They're com- they'll complain about their whistle, and you know that's largely not what Giannis has done. And uh, we kind of talked to Mike Boonholzer about this a little bit as well. And uh, Kane Pittman and asked, you know, how do you try to have this conversation with Giannis if he feels he's getting hit, or you know, how does all that work? And I think it it leads to an interesting question because ultimately you're going to want to you're always going to want to get a better whistle 
that's just kind of how it's going to, you're going to want to see things happen where, you know, you get a better whistle, you get more calls, you get more free throws. And Giannis, uh, to me, just doesn't seem like the type that's really going to complain about the whistle that he gets. Uh, Obviously, he lives in the paint. He attacks the paint more than anyone else. So, you know, he should probably get more free throws than anyone else. And and that hasn't been the case. And, you know, a number of Bucks fans have asked me about his whistle and, you know, how good of a whistle he gets. And I, I tend to say that I don't think it's particularly good. And when you look at that, like there's got to be a moment where someone kind of steps up and it makes a statement. And, you know, that could be Bud taking a fine from the league for calling out the whistle that that could be Giannis. Uh, I think it, it probably tends to be a little bit better when it's coming from the coach. So I think we'll just have to see if Bud does that at some point, because Giannis is so laser focused and knows that he's going to get hit a lot, uh, obviously, as you can hear from that quote. So, um, you know, I don't think it'll be him, but uh, at some point, you know, I think Bud has to kind of weigh at what point in the season when he thinks that there's a real egregious example or, or whatever it may be that, you know, at some point you, you do have to kind of mention something about the officials and the calls that Giannis gets because initially that, that didn't get called a foul. Giannis got hit in the face by Ennis Kander and didn't get called a foul. That's that's a problem. And, you know, that that might speak to the that officiating crew doing a worse the doing a, a poor job for for the entire night and you know maybe they did miss one on thon uh for Cantner and you know maybe there was some other stuff there but it does speak to you know not a, a great job from that officiating crew and i think it's just gonna be interesting to see how one how the season progresses Giannis shoots 14 free throws tonight which is a good thing but you know, I think you would struggle to find a game from Giannis where you don't feel as though he could have shot more free throws. I think just about every game you think, yeah, he, he probably could have got a couple more calls. Um, so we'll just have to watch that as the season goes on. But uh, just kind of an interesting dynamic for, for the entire night because uh, obviously as well, you have teammates that are trying to figure out, you know, when do you jump? Uh, jump in and you know try to defend Giannis and uh, if you know he's not going to do it you kind of have to stand up for him and you know you still do have to find a balance of uh, trying to stand up for your guy but also uh, being composed and you know I'd asked Chris Middleton about it and he said just be smart about it that's not the first time someone has taken a shot at Giannis it was a dirty play I think Kantner was frustrated they got hit or fouled on the play before but Giannis had nothing to do with it. He's been in those situations. It didn't bother Giannis, and it didn't bother us too much either. We just have to keep playing and let the refs take care of it. And, you know, I think those are all the those are all the right answers. It's always a good thing um, to hear from people. But, you know, at the same time, uh, <laughs> a friend of the podcast, Pratik Patel, um, over at ESPN Milwaukee had said, you know, Kantner's lucky that Greg Monroe wasn't still on the team because he would have had to deal with Greg Monroe. And, you know, you think about Monroe, you think about uh, O.J. Mayo, those are two guys that were ready to to mix it up. We're ready to go that if if someone took a shot at Giannis or anyone on the team that they were going to be ready. And I don't know if this team has those guys or, you know, if if that's something that, that even interests Mike Budenholzer. That may be something that he thinks is – you know, silly macho BS or something where he doesn't want his guys to do that. So 
I think it's just going to be something to keep an eye on because Giannis is going to keep getting hit, as he said in his answer. He's going to keep getting fouled, and the Bucks are going to have to kind of figure out how they want to deal with that. So I think that'll be interesting uh, for the rest of the year. Going to the rest of the game, I think some some interesting stuff, but uh, Brooke Lopez continues to hit threes. He was three of six, but also attack closeouts in the most Brooke Lopez-y way possible as he's trying Euro steps and floaters and dunking on dudes and uh, you know just generally making a number of plays. And it's it's just fascinating to watch that at the start of the year, you saw a guy that really just was bombing away from three, and that was kind of what he did most nights. And then you see tonight where he takes six threes, but he takes 14 shots on the night. Um, and obviously those 14, to get those other eight shots to get to 14, you got to take those somewhere else. And he's been taking them in the lane and doing some different things there. So that's been kind of fun to watch. Uh, Chris Middleton, 25 points on the night, six rebounds, five assists. Uh, he really carried the Bucks through the first half offensively. And then uh, again in the third, quarter he he really held his own and kind of held it together for the Bucks and then Giannis took over the fourth quarter obviously had a great second half uh overall but you know I think it was it was kind of with Middleton I mean it I'm not sure where we're gonna go uh because uh, we obviously talked about the slump on, on the last episode and you know largely he he broke out tonight and had 25 points on 17 shots and, uh, you know, had a, had a pretty efficient night, but he took just three threes. He is one of three from the three-point line, and we've talked about the balance of finding himself, finding him his own, his own rhythm, but then also playing within the system and taking a bunch of threes and, and having the highest three-point attempt rate of his career. And, you know, tonight I thought – this was the most we had really seen Chris operate inside the three-point line. We saw him uh, go to those back-down looks. Uh, we saw him uh, really try to get in there and, and try to get some of those floaters, get to the basket, uh, do a number of those things, and, uh, you know, not as much from the three-point line. And, you know, there, I think there's some thought that, okay, if he wants to get his his rhythm back, he's going to need to shoot some of those shots, but... In the end, no matter what, you're going to have to play in Mike Boonholzer's system. Mike Boonholzer is going to be the coach, and uh, you're not going to be able to rely on those things forever. So it's it's a tough spot because you know Middleton desperately wants to get his rhythm back. He desperately wants to get his flow back, and one way that he knows how to do it is kind of the way that he's – He's done it for most of his career, but also uh, you know that that way is very different from the way that the Bucks play basketball. And I just don't I don't know, one, how Mike Boonholzer uh, feels about it, and uh, I don't know how that's all going to work out. And it's funny that at the same time Chris is doing that, Giannis is kind of doing the same thing. We've seen Giannis take a number of pull-up mid-rangers, and in these last two games against the Knicks, the, the jump shot has looked pretty okay. He's hit a number of those, but... At the same time, we know how Mike Budenholzer feels about shooting mid-range jumpers, and we know how he prefers threes. And yeah, it's it's gonna be 
those same things that we kind of talked about after the Pacers game a few weeks back, I think as a number of those things still exist. You know, how do these two guys find their rhythm, find themselves offensively um, in a system that they're still getting used to, still trying to find uh, the things that they really like in that in that offense and how they get buckets in that offense. So um, I think really interesting stuff there. Final thing for the night. I've talked a lot about the bench as of late. Uh, talked about it a little bit with Justin Garcia on the Bucks Live pregame show on Twitter. It, hopefully uh, some of you got a chance to, to catch our conversation there. But we had talked about the four-man pairing of DJ Wilson, Thon Maker, Sterling Brown, and George Hill. And, you know, how well it had played. And uh, I think, again, we saw tonight... It didn't score particularly well, but it keeps playing good defense, and and that is truly what matters for for that unit and for those guys. And um, you know, I think a lot of it can be kind of George Hill helping those guys out. I think a lot of it can be Sterling Brown making some plays, Thon Maker, uh, obviously kind of trying to find a way to keep contributing, and he's been solid. And then you know, I I think you got to really point to DJ Wilson. He had his first career double-double tonight, 10 points, 14 rebounds, an assist, two blocks, and and one of those blocks was a beauty where he moves his feet in front of Vonley. Vonley ultimately decides to try a little floater, and Wilson times it perfectly and swats it. And, uh, you know, to grab 14 rebounds in 21 minutes, that is impressive stuff. Giannis had... 14 rebounds in 35 minutes. Uh, after the game, Middleton joked, you know, I got to talk to DJ about that. He's stealing some of my rebounds, um, which was obviously said in jest, and obviously they're quite happy with with what he's doing. But, you know, that speaks to something that I don't know that, that we saw going, I mean, when he was first drafted and certainly not coming into this season, just uh, a night where he could grab that many rebounds and, in many ways, just attack rebounds. I mean, a force on the glass. Like, I don't think any of us saw that coming because I think we all think back to draft night when Jason Kidd was making cracks about about DJ Wilson not being able to rebound and how he'll fit in with the rest of the team. I think all those things, I mean, certainly stick out in my mind and I think maybe in the minds of many folks. And just to see him play with this type of tenacity um, while doing things that, I don't know if people really expected him to be good at. Uh, you know, I, I think if if you told me before the season that DJ Wilson was going to make an impact off the bench, I would have said, okay, it's probably a spot where you know he finally he finally decided to pull the trigger all the time. He was going to let it fly in Bud's system. Uh, he was going to really embrace that, and he was going to start hitting a bunch of threes off the bench. That would have been. That would have been what I would have predicted, but I certainly wouldn't have predicted him being a a defensive, a solid defensive player. I wouldn't have guessed a, a couple blocks in some games. I wouldn't have guessed uh, multiple possessions where he keeps ball handlers in front of him, or multiple times in a possession where he keeps ball handlers in front of him, where he's a part of defense, where 
He grabs 14 rebounds, 11 of them defensive. Like those are all things I would have never, ever guessed. And, you know, it's just been great to see Wilson kind of, kind of do some of those things. So we'll see if he can keep that going. Last thing I wanted to address, I I was thinking it was going to be DJ Wilson, but there's just one more thing because I was looking at the box score and saw the DMP CDs. I'm a little bit confused why I keep getting questions on Twitter about Pat Connaughton. I I truly don't really get it. Um, because I understand that Pat Connaughton really, really kind of exploded out of the scene and had himself a nice, a nice couple of weeks, really, a, maybe even a nice month there where, you know, he was the guy. And then, you know, I, I think he, he got banged up a little bit. He sat out a little bit. And, in that time, the the Bucks traded for George Hill, which which hurts anyone that that gets guard minutes because George Hill is going to probably take twenty to thirty every night. And then also in that time, Sterling Brown really kind of put it together, where he's been a good physical defender. He's been good on the glass. Uh, he's he's really just played that role right and played it in a way that you know Mike Boonholzer is going to love. He hits corner threes and he defends, and that is incredibly useful to Mike Budenholzer. And you know, I think that has obviously hurt Connaughton's minutes. And then on top of that, you have Tony Snell, who's been—I don't want—it's tough to say someone's the most consistent player when the thing that they're consistent at is just being, you know, kind of a solid role player. But that's been Tony Snell. Like, I don't think anyone really ever has complaints about Tony Snell minutes. Uh, you know, I think in the past, maybe when he was playing 29 or 30 minutes under Jason, there would be times where he just wasn't bringing the right effort or, you know, didn't really feel like he was making an impact or only shot five times in those 28 minutes. And you wonder, why is this guy even on the floor? But, you know, with Snell playing 15 minutes a night, he's really good in those 15 minutes. He probably gets the Tony Snell play a couple times with Giannis and uh, defends well, executes his assignments, maybe gives a, a the Tony Snell did what update of the night where he does something offensively that we're not expecting tonight. It was a block on a layup and transition that I was not expecting. That was the Tony Snell did what update of the night. Um, but you know, I, I think it, I don't want to say it's self-evident, but in many ways I think it is why Pat Connaughton isn't in the rotation. And it's not necessarily because he's done anything wrong. It's just those other guys have done things right. And if you have a bench unit that's rolling and really putting together solid minutes, and again, maybe you say that's more George Hill than anything else, or maybe you say it's more DJ Wilson than anything else. But, you know, if you have a, a bench unit that's rolling, I don't know why you would you'd kind of screw it up. And uh, this is kind of how how they've been rolling. And and I think kind of the way I view it is at some point someone else can get injured. That's kind of how these things roll. We saw that uh, with DJ Wilson and why he's in the rotation. Ersani Eliasova gets hurt. DJ Wilson hops in. Uh, You know, we saw it with why Pat Connaughton was in the rotation. Dante DiVincenzo got hurt. 
and Pat hops in and has kind of a great stretch. And then, you know, we see why Sterling Brown took those minutes because Pat got hurt for a little bit and Sterling came in and had some good time. So I think it comes back around at some point to Connaughton, to DiVincenzo. I think those guys will get chances again. It's just not their chance right now. And and I do very much think that will be how, how Mike Budenholzer treats this is – you know, if you're if you have an injury, if you're not as consistent as you once were, well, then someone else is is going to kind of get a chance, and um, that'll be the last thing that I talk about tonight. Uh, but Bucks win one twelve ninety six. Chris Middleton, I don't know if he's broken the slump because he only took three threes and he only had one of those three threes, but. Uh, 25 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists on 17 attempts. Giannis, 31 points, 10 of 14 from the line, 14 rebounds, 8 assists, a steal, 4 blocks, and 1, I don't even know what you want to call incident with Ennis Kander. I don't want to call it an encounter because that would suggest more that happened than just kind of looking at each other. Um, but he's able to have that. Brooke Lopez, 17 points, three rebounds. Brogdon, 15 points, three rebounds, two assists. And then DJ Wilson's first career double-double, 10 points, 14 rebounds. He adds two blocks and an assist to that as well. A good night for DJ Wilson and the Bucks win 112-96 over the New York Knicks. That's the fourth time that they played the Knicks this year. That'll be the last time that they play the Knicks this year. They go three and one against the Knicks, and they play in the Bucks play again on Saturday against the Brooklyn Nets, which is a 4 p.m. local tip-off. Saturday, 4 p.m. afternoon game. Uh, that is really messing with my head. I'm. I don't know. I don't want to complain because I like being done earlier and enjoying my Saturday night, but uh, that'll be a little bit strange. So 4 p.m. tip on Saturday against Brooklyn. Frank and I will get together on Sunday, talk about that, have a podcast ready for you on Monday. But for tonight, that is going to be it for us. Bucks win 112-96. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.